0: This is Dr. Steven with Outlook Magazine. We're here at the Museum of Discovery and Science, also called MODS. Uh, We're here with a special film brought to you by the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival. We have with us Jonathan Bird and Zach Peterson. The film is called Ancient Caves. Now, I told them before I feel like I'm playing chopsticks in front of Beethoven because they're professional filmmakers. And I am here with my little iPhone talking to them about this fantastic film it's in 3d you all shot it in caves underwater tell us about the film and and the shooting of it well you know
1: we love to make underwater documentaries okay and a few years ago i got fascinated with cave diving and i thought you know caves would make an amazing subject for a giant screen film and That's kind of where the whole idea started. It was, you know, let's make a cave diving movie. That's the best cave diving movie ever. And it kind of expanded from there.
0: So you were chatting before and telling us about the cameras. And how, like, the technology is so different. Tell us about the cameras that you made. That was fascinating. We were talking about upstairs.
1: Well, when we started this project, which was about four years ago, most giant screen films were still made on 15 perf 70 millimeter IMAX films. Um, which means you have a camera that's about this big um, and if you put it in an underwater housing so it can go underwater it's about this big and it can only hold a thousand feet of film which gives you a three minute load and this is a problem because if you want to go three hours or four hours into a cave to film having only three minutes is a problem and then how do you get light that far into the cave in order to be able to expose that film. So we had this idea to use the new high-end 6K digital cameras to do a giant screen film and at the time that was not really a a workflow that was sort of blessed by the giant screen industry so we started doing film tests with um, some cameras and um, we found out that it was possible but by the time We really got the project rolling they had come out with 8k cameras and the 8k cameras were actually unlike the 6k cameras were almost as good as film and the 8k cameras were better than film so when we actually started working on this we were one of the first productions to be using 8k digital cinema cameras to make giant screen films imax films um and now kind of everybody's doing that um but we kind of pushed the envelope but it wasn't because we were, you know, trying to push the envelope. We needed to get the camera small enough that it would fit in the cave. <laughs> that <laughs> was the basic problem. The holes are small and you got to squeeze through there and the iMac camera wouldn't fit. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, let's play the trailer. Arthur's uh, helping us back at the studio. We're shooting on location. We're having a lot of fun. So, uh, Arthur, if you can play the trailer, uh, we're going to let them see what the film is about.
2: Science is about finding answers and how far you'll go to get those answers. One visionary scientist is on an epic quest to understand Earth's climate. Dr. Gina Mosley, is looking for clues in the most remote and unlikely places. Caves. Stalagmites thousands of years old reveal secrets from the past. But some are accessible only to a brave few. At 300 feet below the Earth's surface, there is no light, no air, no room for error. this adventure into the world's most hidden realms and find out what it takes to solve Earth's greatest mysteries. Ancient Caves, a film for IMAX and giant screen theaters.
0: So we're here again at MODS Museum of Discovery and Science with the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival talking with Jonathan and Zach with Ancient Caves. You were telling us about the cameras, how fascinating the cameras are. Uh, What caves did you go to to film it? Well, we went all around the world. As far as submerged caves, we were in Devil's Hole in Nevada. Okay. and uh we were at the crystal caves of abaco in abaco um, bahamas uh, okay and the above water caves that we went to uh we went to a cave in mexico we were in grotte de Gournier in france and we were in spring valley in minnesota okay this is not just a tour of caves this is an absolute like immersion of the caves um and seeing them and some of them are underwater now everyone's gonna laugh because i'll tell it anyway i can't swim so watching this kind of gave me a little bit of a panic attack, but I feel like I should need like a towel because the water actually feels like it's going to come out and get you. You're in some really tight spaces when you uh, were filming it. Tell us a little bit about something about that. Well, um, the, the underwater sequences, we
1: wanted to go to some caves that were really, really incredible. Mm-hmm. So. The scientists we were working with were doing um, research in Devil's Hole, which is a cave that's completely closed by the park service because of a highly endangered fish that lives in there. And uh, at the time we filmed in that cave, we, there, more people had walked on the moon than had been diving in Devil's Hole Cave. So it was a real honor to be given permission to get our team in there. Um, and that really was just because the researchers were working there, and we were helping with their research while we were making the film. So that was that was a, you know a cave diver awesome moment. You know, we, a lot of cave divers that have a lot more experience than I do are jealous that we got to go and do that. So that was pretty cool. And the other cave we really wanted to film in was Abaco in the Bahamas because it is widely considered to be the most ornamented underwater cave. in the and it's just so beautiful. It's like diving in a chandelier. And we just want, we just thought that on camera that place would be just spectacular. And I think it didn't disappoint in 3D, did no it? No way. Oh, man. Like, I just, we just watched this 3D version for the first time that we've seen it in IMAX. Literally, we made the film. Yes. That's the first time we've seen it in 3D IMAX just now. And I feel like I just got out of the water. I, I feel like it almost might look better on screen than it would if we were there. <laughs> it
0: really is mind blowing. Yeah,
1: at least I didn't have to worry about running out
0: of air. Yeah, that's true. Much safer. <laughs> yeah. we were, you were telling us about that too. You've, you've got so much air to get in and so much air to get out, so much time on film. Uh, so, all of that is very precious when you're trying to film something. It's not like us standing here with my iPhone where it's really cheap and inexpensive. Um, it's very expensive when you talk about the time and effort you put into that. A lot of time, a lot of time. We have the sequence in the film
1: that's the main cave diving sequence at the end. It's about was it twelve minutes? Yeah. Um, and it and it took um, fourteen days to film. So
0: it was a but it was fun. Every I'm not complaining. I'd go back and do it again tomorrow. I had a blast. <laughs> had a yeah. blast. And it's in three D. Uh, this is the first three D uh, showing of the movie. This is the world premiere of the three D
1: version of the film. The only people that have seen this in 3D are us and our 3D post supervisor who saw it in LA at IMAX this week.
0: And it's literally so hot off the press, nobody has seen it. Yeah. And you're getting to talk to the people who, and see the people who made the film and who were there and actually made the film. That's very exciting. We were talking, you were telling earlier, their enthusiasm for it is amazing. But it is a really great film. Again, you feel like you probably should bring your own mat, your own snorkel because you feel like you are underwater <laughs> with them. It, it is so well done. It is so well done. Um, the One thing I thought was interesting about the film is that the caves not only tell a little bit about the history, but they help us predict the future because of the carbon dioxide emissions that you all were talking about a little bit in the future. It's helping us to predict the future and uh, helping us to remind us to take care of our planet better.
1: Well, that's the thing that came out of this that was the most surprising to me. So when we started the film, We just wanted to make a great IMAX movie about cave diving, right? But when we started looking for a story angle, we realized that there is an entire science called cave paleoclimatology that looks at climate change in the past from the deposits in caves. And so these scientists are learning about the past history of our planet by these formations that are basically frozen in stone in caves. They're amazing climate records. So they don't necessarily tell us anything about what is going to happen, but they give us a very accurate record of what did happen. For example, um, we uh, we can take an ice core sample up in the Arctic and you can pull this ice core sample out and you can look at the CO2 data by sampling the CO2 along this long ice core and you can get a graph but that graph doesn't have any dates on it so it's kind of cool but all it is is a shape because it doesn't tell you what the dates on the shape are but what comes out of these caves puts the date on it because we can date that information and so then you can take that shape and you can lay it on top of the shape that came off of the ice core sample And it actually makes that data set more useful. So this is a a science that has actually greatly expanded our knowledge of what has happened in the Earth's climate in the past, which is really uh, useful because we, this is the first time we've had that information with actual dates on it. This science is relatively new. I mean, it's, it's in the last 10 years that this science has been invented. And that's what our film, Kind of revolves
0: around, oh. plus great cave diving. It, <laughs> it's, it's really phenomenal. It's here at the IMAX at the Museum of Discovery and Science, Sunday, November 22nd. Jan, what time are the films? 3 and 5. 3 and 5 p.m., November 22nd, a Sunday afternoon, here at the IMAX at the Museum of Discovery and Science in downtown Fort Lauderdale. Uh, is there anything else you want to share before we wrap up? Come yeah. and see the film. Yes. Come and, come and see the film. Yeah, you have to see it in uh, IMAX if, 3D. If you miss it in 3D, you're missing out. Yeah, yep. you got to come see Make it. sure you bring a towel, because you're going to feel better. But if, <laughs> it's, a really games, yes. yeah. <laughs> it's a phenomenal Yes. It's a phenomenal film. Thank, Thank you guys see. for coming and sharing with us, so and being part of the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival. They're wonderful partners. So. Thanks. Thank you so much. All right, we'll see you here at Mods Downtown Fort Lauderdale.
3: all at a, at least 1,000, which means one that third. You, you have one-third of your air in reserve, and that's for if you have a problem, if your buddy has a problem, if there's a delay, if Todd gets stuck in a hole, which he did. Which he did, <laughs> which he did. And, yeah. No, and the funny thing is, people ask us, was that real? Yeah. It was, Look yeah. at his eyes. You see his eyes? Yeah. <laughs> they like got that. real big for a couple of seconds. He, he is stuck. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is that, I, you know, Brian is the Brian, who's the main character, was of the cave diving sequences. He was my cave diving instructor. Mm-hmm. Believe me when I tell you, there's nobody on the planet more fit to get him unstuck than Brian. So I wasn't like, oh my God, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna film this. This is great, <laughs> because Brian's got this. Yeah. So, yeah, but he actually did get stuck. Now he did not get stuck on the actual dive that we went to Fanghorn. It was another one of the dives that we were way in there, so it was you know it was plenty hair raising. but it, you know, since we put two weeks of dives together into this, it was a different dive, but it, he did actually get stuck. We didn't fake that. <laughs> and then uh, then when you get back to the entrance, you have to decompress, because, like you said, you're up against the clock. Yeah. So you can't come right up we had like a 65 minute decompression obligation. So that means that we have to work our way from 40 feet back up to the surface over about an hour. And so that's what that last tank is for because when you, that last tank is pure oxygen, which is toxic below 20 feet, believe it or not. Um, But once you get above 20 feet, when you switch to pure oxygen, it purges the nitrogen out of your blood much faster. And so that's why we only had an hour. If we didn't have the pure oxygen, we would have had two hours of decompression. In which case, we actually did not have enough gas with us. So that last cylinder of oxygen is your, you know, it speeds everything up at the last minute. So it's, it was... It was fun, man. I want to go right. do it again. I, know. I, know. <laughs> I had so much fun doing that. i want <laughs> watch. I think you guys are all crazy. Yeah. I know that's what it everybody sounds, says. I just look it at it. Kind of I love it. Far. I <laughs> love it. It was. We had so that much fun. Amazing. And the, you know, the interesting thing about the you know the story is that you know I just started out wanting to make a film about cave diving. I just want to go cave diving. I want to make a movie about <laughs> cave diving, right? But you need a story. You can't just make a movie about cave diving we didn't know anything about this paleoclimatology i just started googling like scientists working in caves you know and things like that and found out that hey there's this scientist in minnesota that studies the climate using cave formations that's kind of cool and i called him up that was larry edwards the the guy that was in the film and and i said hey Dr. Edwards, you know, can we make a film about your work? And he goes, yeah, that would be great. And I said, you know, can we go with you into a cave? And he's like, oh, I don't go in caves. <laughs> I was like, what? I, I he know. goes, oh, I got grad students for the, getting the samples. <laughs> That's right. and, and so I'm like, oh, well, who's your, like, Indiana Jones, like, who gets your best samples? Like, who's the person who will make a good character for the film that, that does the adventure? And he goes, oh, you should talk to Gina and then you know he referred me to gina and i'm like oh my god his his like best scientist she's british and she's adorable and she's like a rock star like she was you know she was awesome so we just we had adventures we went all over the world we went to france with her and we just followed her research and she had never done any work underwater but she wanted to and so she said you know we've got this research project at devil's hole And it's, we don't know how deep it is. And we wanted to do these deep samples, but we don't know anybody that can get them. And we said, ha, we know a guy crazy enough to get those samples. And that was Brian. And Brian was like, I get to dive in Devil's Hole. Like nobody, like that's cave divers Mecca. Like nobody gets in there. It's closed. The park service is locked down. Two divers died in the 70s. And they completely closed it down and now they've got the pupfish there which mm-hmm. are completely endangered most endangered fish in, like in the world i think yep. and so like nobody's allowed in there and because university of minnesota has got a research permit there they got us in so we got to do cave diving and actually at the time that we dove devil's hole this i don't think this is true now that we dove it at the time we dove devil's hole more people had walked on the moon than had been diving in that cave. Wow! So that was very, very special for us. Like all of our gear had to be completely disinfected before they would let us take it in there because it was, um, they didn't wanna bring any contaminants in it would hurt the fish. So like it was, it was a super huge undertaking. We actually have a, a 30 minute behind the scenes film about filming at Devil's Hole that's on YouTube that's pretty interesting to watch. It was all about that shoot, which was yeah. kind of fun. So, Cool. In any case, yeah, it was, exactly. it was so much fun to make. I'm, I was so bummed when it was done. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. How long was the whole process? Four How years. How long was four, four years. years. Mm-hmm. Four, so. four years. Four. Yeah. 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 And one of the problems that we had was, um, so I come from a television background, and I think that when I first started talking to people in the giant screen industry that I wanted to make this film, there's a lot of, you know, naysayers, and well, he's a TV guy, what does he know about giant screen? He wants to shoot it in digital, you know, eh, you know, and, 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 one of the things that I, I I did is most, so most giant screen films are scripted, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that is because historically, 70 millimeter film is too expensive to do it any other way, you know what I mean? Like, you, you can't just take these the seventy millimeter film costs a thousand dollars a minute to run in a film camera. Between the film, the processing, and the printing, you can't it's a thousand dollars a minute. You don't go out and shoot it like it's a GoPro. You know what I mean? You don't you don't shoot this like you're making YouTube videos, which is what we do. <laughs> we make YouTube videos, right? And um so we wanted to approach this film because we're shooting it digital. We wanted to approach it like a television documentary and in a a good television documentary, it's not scripted. Like you follow the characters and you see where the story goes and you figure out the story arc kind of later, you know, and we wanted to do that with giant screen and nobody like nobody's done. Nobody's ever done that in giant screen. And Because we were going to shoot digital, we could do that, you know, and that's how we want to do it. And when you're looking for money and you're like going to somebody for some money and they say, well, how's it end? And you're like, oh, I don't know. We didn't get to that part yet. Like we didn't shoot it yet. We don't know how it ends.
1: They laugh
3: at you. That's the wrong answer. You should tell them how it ends and then change the end later. But uh, live and learn. So, yeah, like we we didn't know how it was going to end. We, you know, I said to Gina, how's this going to end? She's like, I don't know. We'll see what we find. You know, we'll see what Brian brings up. What was really interesting is that we thought that the samples that Brian was going to bring up from deep water in Devil's Hole were going to prove they had this hypothesis about a Milankovitch glitch that they were going to prove from these deep samples, and it disproved it and that was a major part of our story, right up until it disproved it. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, there's no point in explaining the science behind this hypothesis that turns out to be not true. You know what I mean? And so we were like, kind of left holding the bag, like, uh uh-oh, like that was kind of the crux of our story and it just vanished because the water samples didn't prove what the scientists thought it was gonna prove. So then we were just like, well, the hell with it, you know, just keep filming. We'll see what happens, you know, we'll get to the end. And then, you know, it turned out we got this great sample out of Abaco that actually did a lot to explain sea um, uh, level changes. So um, Gina actually has, I think, three of her grad students now working on that sample because it was, you know, really cool for her. So, you know, we actually got some really great science out of it. We got to do, be a part of the science as well as making a film, but, you know, eventually what ended up happening was nobody wanted to put any money in. So we ended up funding most of the photography ourselves. And then once we had kind of a rough edit and everybody knew how it was gonna end, then the dome consortium gave us some money to finish, like to finish it and do everything. And so, you know, then the movie got done, but it was like, nobody wanted to put any money in until they knew if these crazy YouTubers were gonna like turn out a movie that was worth watching. <laughs> So then we were like, "Yes, we got this great film. Let's release!" And we released it in March. Mm-hmm. And one week later, every IMAX theater <laughs> in the world closed. <laughs> so, you were the first people to see the new 3D version. Wow, you were here. You were here. Wow. So, yeah, it was it was super fun. I'd love to go back and just do it again. It's, I had a blast. What's well, night and day between 2D and 3D? Because I saw it not in 3D. Right. Yeah, I was like, yeah. um, Now it just blew me away so i'll tell you another thing about this so when you what you saw was a flat screen projection of the dome version so oh
2: so it had the
3: so, so he, yeah out. so He's you'll notice there's a lot of fisheye yeah. shots in this when when i was when i was growing up the imax theater for my town boston was the mugar omni theater mm-hmm. at the museum of science in boston yeah. and it's a dome and I thought that all IMAX theaters were domes. I had never been to a 3D or a flat screen IMAX theater. The first time I went to a flat screen IMAX theater, I walked in and I was like, what the hell is this? That's not an IMAX screen. Like it's not, it's not round. So um, when I found out that basically nobody was shooting films for domes anymore, and, and that was like a fad in the 70s, and like the domes were just showing flat screen movies on a dome, I had this great idea that my way to break into the giant screen industry was gonna be, I was gonna be the first guy in 35 years to make a film shot for domes. And I figured it just will never get shown on flat screens but the domes are a pretty good market. All the domes are gonna want it if it was shot on a dome. So I started shooting for the dome and I started showing footage at the GSCA conference and McGillivray Freeman liked what they saw enough to pick us up and be our distributor. And and they started saying, shh, knock it off with the dome thing. Mm-hmm. Like, Don't just talk, do- all the theaters are gonna want this. This is a cool film, just shh on the dome. And so I'm like, I don't know, it, it looks great on a dome, but it, I don't know, it's kind of boring on the f- just a flat screen, you know what I mean? Um, but then the, we had the 3D conversion done, and I th- I, <laughs> I think I actually like the 3D version better <laughs> than the Dome one, even though it was yeah. shot for domes. The 3D came out so it's, good. It's... And it's funny because, you know, a few years ago, all the 3D purists would say, if you don't shoot in native 3D, it's not real 3D. Um, but it's gotten to the point that the 3D conversion technology is so good and it's cheaper than shooting 3D native. And so even Hollywood, nobody shoots 3D native anymore. Everything's converted. And the nice thing about when you convert is that you can control in post-production how hard it is on your eyes, and they can they can make it so that people don't get a headache. Whereas I don't know if you remember like in the early days of 3D, when you were watching a 3D film that was shot in native 3D, yeah, the three d effect was really good, really good. but sometimes it was so strong that people would be like, uh, you know what I mean? Like they can make it enough that it's it's cool but it's gentle so that people don't get sick and have eye strain and stuff. and so mm-hmm. um but I have to say I wasn't much i've I've never been much of a like a fan of like three d Hollywood movies, but 3D IMAX movies are a different thing. Like 3D IMAX movies are always so well done and they're so um, immersive and um, the screen is so big and they're like wildlife subjects and it's like really being there with the elephants in the Serengeti or, you know, sticking your head into a volcano or like whatever. Like, I don't know. I think it, I think it really works in, in, in giant screen more than Hollywood. Because like fast-cutting action movies in 3D just hurt your brain, but this kind of stuff, we have big, wide, Im- you know, immersive shots that are long enough for you to really look around. I think the, I think the medium works really well. So I, I, I'm just super. What do you think, Seth? <laughs>
0: you you said it all. I mean, I mean yeah, <laughs> it, it's incredible.
3: I'm super stoked. Yeah, it, it, that looks really am- That looks amazing. Yeah.